plan. The Bible said that though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself and took on himself the form of a servant and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that is named of things in heaven, things in earth, and beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark eleven twenty four and 25. Two great imperatives to receiving faith. And we're going to talk about receiving faith once again today. Uh, how many are glad to hear testimonies of people receiving what God has purposed and promised in their life? Isn't it encouraging when you hear testimonies? The, the Bible said to publish His doings among the people. Amen. And I love the great song that says it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. Can you say amen? God is no respecter of persons. That becomes real clear in the New Testament. For we know that God is no respecter of persons. But faith is a determining factor in how much of God's purposed promised provided blessings can be yours for on many occasions jesus said these words as your faith be so be it unto you if god has provided it it has to be received by faith god has provided a savior but he has to be received by faith the type in the old testament is the passover and they supplied the lamb to be slain was supplied from that flock. Take a lamb from the flock that's without spot, without blemish, slay the lamb. But they are not delivered from the death angel because of the slain lamb supplied unless they applied the blood from the slain lamb to the doorpost. It's not enough for Jesus to die for. You have to receive him as your savior. Amen? Through faith, by grace, through faith we are saved. By grace we are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. So God supplies the lamb. Jesus supplied the blood. And it's when we receive him as our Savior, repenting of our sin, that that blood is applied to our life. It has to be applied. This is the receiving part of faith. And Jesus would ask people, will you be healed? <laughs> Amen. What a question to ask someone. Will you be healed? Well, of course I will. Well, will you receive it right here, right now? What, 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 is, what are we waiting for, in other words? Well, I have no man to put me in the water. As if the only place God is moving is in the pool of Bethesda. He's not moving anywhere else. Because the church had become dead Dissecting dead dogma was more important than seeing the living God move. Amen. They were dead. He called them dead. He called them white and sepulchers. These were the priests of his day. But God reminded them, I'm still involved in this world, this fallen world. I'm still almighty. So he sent an angel to trouble the water once a year. And the first one in the water got healed. But if you couldn't be the first one in the water, 
you couldn't expect to be healed. Everything was limited. God was just demonstrating. It had been 400 years since there had been a prophet sent by God because people quit listening to the prophets and God quit talking. Amen. From Malachi to Matthew, there's 400 years. And the Bible went on to say there was a famine in the land. And it wasn't a famine for water or a famine for bread, but a famine for hearing the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? When people quit listening, God quits talking. But when people start listening, God's got a lot to say. And that's why Jesus wrote to every one of the seven churches, He that hath an ear, he that has a heart to hear, a heart to obey, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. Can you say amen? God is speaking today. And the Bible said to you and I, we need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. And that's why the Bible went on to say, don't, don't let the Word of God depart from your mouth. Keep it before your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. That's why we go back to the Word. That's why we reiterate things. That's why we're not looking uh, for something else when God is wanting us to focus on a specific thing that we need so that God can meet the needs of our life and be glorified in the process. I can look over this audience and tell you who's getting answers to prayer. Because people getting answers to prayer came in smiling. Because they know God is with them and God is responding to them. People that are not getting answers to prayers come in frowning because they're still in a pickle. Amen. We're still in the mess and we're saying, Lord, bless this mess. No, God don't bless no mess. Amen. He will get us out of the mess. He'll lift us out of the miry clay. He will straighten out the mess. Hallelujah. But it all comes down to, is God for you? And that has to do completely with answered prayer. Paul put it this way after he talked about the resurrection and its implications in our life. He said, what more shall we say to these things? After saying that Jesus was raised for our justification, he says, what more shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So your problem is really not the devil today. He's just taking advantage of ground that we gave him. Amen? That's why the Bible says... Give no place to the devil. That's why the Bible said, Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Greek is strong when it said flee. It said to run as in panic. And I've said it before, and I want to say it again. Every one of us have seen the enemy rise up and come against us. And every one of us needs to get ready to get a look at the backside of Satan. Amen. Because when he runs from you and I as in panic, you're going to see his backside. And we're not going to say, I was going to do this, but the devil came against me. Of course he's going to come against you. He's been coming against Christ and his church all through the, from the inception He came against the birth of Jesus and he tried to kill all the kids to do away with him. But he knew in his heart of hearts that what God had spoke, he would bring to pass in spite of everything that he did. And he knows it to this day. 
Amen. During the tribulation, he's going to do as much damage as he can to the object of God's love, this earth and the people on it. And the Bible said, woe during the tribulation to the people of the earth during that time. For the devil has not just the prince of the power of the air anymore. He's come down. He's manifesting in a person. Satan himself possesses a person, the Antichrist. And he works through him. Satan has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. Can you say amen? He knows what's coming because he knows who's coming. Can you say amen? And he, I'm not talking about the rapture, the coming for the church. I'm talking about when he's coming to establish his everlasting eternal kingdom. To, to rule and reign forever as king of kings and lord of lords. He knows his days are limited. His time is short. And, and that's why the tribulation is going to be so horrendous. Not only is it God's wrath poured out, his justifiable anger, but it's also Satan's angst and anger against the object of God's love. But today, the door of the ark is open. Today, God is with us through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ. And today, we can have victory and we can have answered prayer. And our families are going to see it. Amen. I believe our families are going to see it. My son knows what God has done in his daddy's life. And it's giving him some courage about his situation. I had a, 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 a bad stroke. He had so many strokes, and it left him disabled. He saw God raise me up in three days. He can't mow his yard, and he said, I feel bad, Dad, when I look out the window and see you mowing your yard. He can't get away from me now because he lives next door, and he needs my lawnmower. Amen. <laughs> For my grandson to mow. So God has put him in proximity to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has been good and he knows what God has done in his daddy's life. Hallelujah. And somehow I think he thinks that I'm, I've got some special something. Most people, when you get an answer to prayer, you know, they think, well, they're, they're, there's one of God's pets. There's one of his pets. He's just one of God's pets. Honey, I want you to know something. God don't have no stepchildren, and he's no respecter of persons. But he did say this. He did say this. As your faith be, so be it unto you. Can you say amen? That don't mean you can have anything you want, but you can have everything that he wills. I want you to say this with me. Faith doesn't overcome God's reluctance. It lays hold on His willingness. Hallelujah. That's why a leper says, if thou wilt, if it's in your will, if, if you will it, if you will it, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And he said, I will. Glory be to God. And you know what? He said in His Word on so many occasions, addressing so many things, God has said, I will. And He wants us to receive it. And that's why we're talking about how to receive, how to build a receiving faith. And let me tell you what Jesus said. This is what he said. And don't put me in a camp. Father, I pray right now that I can just be a speak as an oracle of God. And as I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit, make my tongue the pen 
of a ready rider. And let me speak as an oracle of God today. And help me not to lean to, to any, any sway uh, of my background or my upbringing or, or things that are already predetermined. Help me to just see your word as it's written and take it to heart in the name of Jesus today. Here's what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four and 25. There's two things. Number one is receiving faith. Being able to receive the answer when you're praying. Not pray and hope for the best. This has to occur when you're praying. That means you need to have your faith build up before you pray. The only way you could pray in that kind of authority is have faith before you prayed in your heart. You don't just do that because if it's just words without faith, they have no value. But whatever you ask in prayer, believing... And when does this believing occur? Generally speaking, we thought of it. I've thought of it. You pray and then you do your best to stand on the Word and keep your confession and look to God and trust in God. It has to occur when you're praying. That means it has to be in there before you pray. And the Bible said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can't just pray these prayers in faith while you're praying, unless faith has already been activated and deposited in your heart. And that cometh, faith cometh. Say, faith cometh. Faith cometh by hearing. That's why I said last week, and I use this door as an illustration, you may not realize it. But one of these days, a crisis is going to come. But if you have been receiving the Word of God into your heart, something is occurring. For when His Word gets in a good ground heart, a good ground heart, the Bible said it, the Word itself, brings forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. That means changes are occurring spiritually on the inside of you. And one day, something is going to come to bring fear to you. But faith is going to rise up in you when that day comes. That's why David said, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Fear will come and... Knock on the door. And instead of you letting fear in, you will send faith to the door. And say, see who that is. And faith will go to the door. Look fear in the eye. Look the circumstance eyeball to eyeball. And declare there's nobody there. I'm serious. Faith will not acknowledge that there's something greater than God. That can threaten you. Faith will not do that. Faith will not concede a defeat or give that kind of authority to the devil. Faith's focus is on God Almighty, His promises, His provisions, His purposes. And if He wills, He can make you whole. And He said, I will. So every time you find a promise in the Word of God, you find an I will from God. And when your faith to receive... Meets his willingness to give. Nothing will stop God. Because the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. That's why you warn me, be careful what you pray for. If you're planning on retiring, sitting in your rocking chair and writing your memoirs. I learned French from Miss Piggy. Anyway, amen. If, you're, if you plan on doing that. If you plan on doing that, and then you're asking the Lord for something that will reach more people, then you better change your plan. Amen. Now, I get tired, and I get weary, 
And I always get weary when I look at me and my problem. I've got a, a son that's had uh, many strokes and has left him di- disabled. And uh, his wife is trying to work with the old truck I give him. And we're trying to take care of the maintenance on an old truck. And we're trying to take care of the maintenance on my old van. And uh, we're trying to help them. And we're trying to help ourselves. And I've got a son that is uh, uh, on a, a mental disability. Uh, had it from birth. And he's as sweet as he can be. But, but he, he doesn't drive. He, does, he can't do his banking. My, my wife does the paperwork. And I do the legwork. And we take care. I'm taking care of two sons here. At me going on 70, I was hoping they would take care of me. <laughs> Amen. I don't think I'm going to get a turn. I think it's going to be this way. But I told my son while I was mowing my yard uh, in the hot sun in the 90s, and got just I, I love to sing when I'm working hard because it does make a difference if you got some joy in in it in it all. And every time I do something like that after having the stroke I had, I'm celebrating. Celebrating my healing. I'm just celebrating my healing. I said, son, don't feel bad that you can't help me. Not that he would anyway, but anyway, don't feel bad. Don't, don't feel bad. Well, he might if he had his strength to do it. He can't do it now, but don't feel bad about that. When you see me out there mowing my grass, I am celebrating my healing. Amen. Being able to do this and people going by with big old lawnmowers and big, you know, lawn equipment. And they see an old man out there mowing these grass in the hot summertime and wondering, <laughs> hallelujah. I like to mow it. Why? Because I'm celebrating what the Lord has done in my life. He gave me health and I'm not going to sit in a rocking chair with my health. Praise God. I thank him for that. So. Here's the scripture. Let me read it to you. And then I want to give you three things real quick, if I can do that quickly. Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you, I say unto you. Now, once he starts talking, let's don't add to that. And let's don't take from that. Let's let it stand. Therefore, I say unto you. So who's going to speak to you right now? From the word of God, the words of Christ. Hallelujah. If he was standing here today and he said from this pulpit, Therefore, I say unto you, would you perk up? Now, my dog doesn't know a whole lot of... His vocabulary is very small. But if you say the word, go. Suddenly, that old lazy, can't hardly move... Laid over, suddenly his ears, first his ears go up. It's like antenna. He hears that word go and he thinks he's going bye-bye. And he loves to go bye-bye. His ears go up and then he stands up. And then his, he wags his tail so fast, sometimes I think he's going to break it off because he, if he's near a door, you can hear the tail hitting the door, bang, 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 bang. And he don't even care that his tail is hitting a hard door because he's too excited about going bye-bye. And then he jumps when he can't. Before he would stand and, and grunt a little bit to get, me to get him to lift him up because he's eight years old now and, and that's 56 in people years. Amen. Anybody in here in your 50s? Okay, few people in their 50s. 
Well, he, he knows just how you feel. Can you say that? <laughs> because, oh, he, he'll say, and, and I say, what do you want? And he's standing looking where he wants me to pick him up and lift him up and sit him on the couch. But if he thinks he's going bye-bye, his ears come up, he jumps up, his tail begins to wag, and he jumps up on the couch because I'm going to put his collar on him. And he wants to be right up there where I can put the collar on him, and that means we're going bye-bye. Amen. His ears perk up, and our ears spiritually ought to perk up when Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, Amen. You know, you know what happened at Thessalonica? Paul used the church at Thessalonica as an example to other churches for what could and should happen when you're exposed to the Word of God. You know what he said? He said, your, number one, your faith groweth exceedingly. First Thessalonians chapter 1, your faith groweth exceedingly. Wow! Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Paul said, your faith is growing exceedingly. You're developing spiritually, therefore your faith is a barometer of your spiritual development and maturity. Your faith groweth exceedingly, and your love for one another, you're growing in character, is abounding. And the word abounding is what happens when that hurricane came in and filled the waterways and the rivers came over their banks. It's the, the Greek word is like a river coming over its bank. Your love is abounding to one another. Your faith is growing exceeding. Can you imagine? No wonder he held them up. Amen. As an example. Amen. Faith growing exceedingly. You know, you know what that means? Everything God had promised and purposed them in the word they were receiving. For whatever you ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. If two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall. There again, Jesus is saying it loud, clear. Our ears ought to perk up. We ought to get up. If I had a tail, it would really be wagging right now. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Honestly, it would. <laughs> amen. I get excited when I read just what he said. And because of this this vacuum for the presence and power of God in the church today. We've got what man can do, what money can do, and we need what God can do back. Can you say amen? Amen. We've got the steeple, the stained glass. We've got this giant organ. We've got this choir dressed in robes that cost more than suits. We got a preacher with so many degrees, they call him Dr. Fahrenheit. But without the manifest presence of God, amen? Without the manifest presence of God, without the joy of answered prayer, I've spoken these things unto you that my joy might be in you so that your joy might be full. And what did he speak? John 15 is where he spoke. And what did he say? If my word abides in you, you abide in me and my word abides in you. You will ask what you will because you will know his will because of his word. 
Amen. This is not you getting anything you want, but knowing what He said in His Word and receiving it as it is written. Hallelujah. Before you have someone try to explain it all away. We have today in many circles cessationists. You know what the cessationists are saying? They're saying that the days of miracles ended with the last apostle. And that miracles do not occur. We shouldn't, ex- we shouldn't pray for them. We shouldn't expect them. It's an amazing thing to me how they can believe God to build a building. And not believe God to heal the temple. He don't live in a building. A building should be a holy place and it should be used exclusively for the worship and, and the teaching of the word and, and, and the service of the king. But he doesn't, buildings don't impress him. But our body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me carefully today. Our hearts itself, where He dwells within these earthly bodies. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this vacuum for His presence and power, it convicts those churches which have all the trappings without the presence of God. And so they go on the attack out of... And out of the defensive and say, no, that doesn't happen today. One major minister in particular has disqualified 50 million spirit-filled Christians as not even going to go to heaven. He literally said, if you believe in the miracles and, and tongues, and, and you're, you're, you're just, just of the devil. That's just plain simple, and that's dangerous to me. Because when you attribute the work of God to the devil, we're getting over into blasphemy. And, to, and I don't want nobody to get hurt. That's why I try to warn them, don't do that. Don't do that. You're stepping over a line. Remember the, when the early church was formed? They came against it, wanted to shut it down and tear it up and, and threaten them not to do it anymore. Amen. And one of the guys, big, duh, you know, <laughs> big, big bright light came on. You could see a light bulb above his head. Uh, he, got, he, he said, listen, if God is not in it, it will come to naught. Leave it alone. Let God be the judge of it. Let God determine the chastisement if it's needed or the blessing if it's, if it's, if it's uh, earned. But let God decide. You back off and let God be God. You're moving over into His territory. He said if it's of God, it will prosper. If it's not of God, it will come to naught. And He said let's don't get in the way lest we fight, find ourselves fighting against God. Because if you start a fight with God, you're going to lose. If you don't believe it, just ask the devil and the angels that followed him. Listen to me carefully today. The issue of faith is to believe when we pray. And that's why Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, the only way that you can balance that, and it has to be balanced. That's not a blank check to get anything you want, but it is a blank check to get everything he wills. And that's why the Bible said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, if the word of God abides in you and the Bible said to let it abide in you richly, get full of the word of God. 
Amen. Why? Because faith to receive comes by hearing the word of God. And the purpose of God and the promise of God and the will of God is revealed in the word of God. The Bible said, eye is not seen. And we usually use this at a funeral, and it's appropriate, because we certainly haven't seen the mansions of heaven, and it's going to be on anything that we could possibly imagine. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for them that love him. And if it stopped right there, it would just be his ways are past finding out. But the next, the continuation of the verse said, but he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. That's why he's so much more than giving us a liver shiver on Sunday morning. A sense of the presence of God. And I love that. But he's so much more. He's called the spirit of truth not only the paraclete the comforter but when he the spirit of truth is come what will he do he will guide you into all truth well where in the world is truth jesus said my word is truth can you say man and he said in john 8 30 and 31 if you continue in my word abiding in the word you'll know the truth because the word will reveal the truth And you will not just know it intellectually. You'll know it spiritually by revelation because His words are more than for the intellect. They are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. Amen. More than your mind to comprehend, your spirit gets a hold of it. Praise God. Your heart gets a hold of it. Hallelujah. It's incredible what, what God wants to accomplish He wants us to have a faith already in us so that when we pray, at that crucial moment, we're believing when we're praying. We're not praying and then trying to stand or make our faith work. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. Wow. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will and it shall. I know we've been disappointed. I know we know people. I've I've heard this a thousand times. And you've got to get rid of it and get a new mindset. I knew someone that was that close to God. If anybody was close to God, that person was. They prayed and whatever was killing them killed them they prayed and whatever was going to destroy them destroyed them they pray listen this is not about them this is not between you and them and him it's between you and him can you say man we need to leave i don't know the heart and you don't know the heart i don't know but i know this much god isn't through talking the next verse says and when you stand praying faith is not the only issue you need a clean heart You need a clean heart. You need a clean heart. For the next verse said, And when you stand praying, you make sure your heart is clean. I don't know about you, when I get in trouble, (laughs) I get the pine saw. Amen. I get the disinfectant. I want to get 
make sure there's nothing between me and God that will hinder my prayer so I can pray in faith. I can't afford to hold on to something that the devil can use against me or that God himself says I can't answer until you deal with this thing. And when you stand praying, if you have aught against any, forgive them. Because if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your Father will not forgive you. So if you don't forgive, even though you may feel justified in holding that, if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. And if God can't forgive you, you can never be right with God. Even though you're saved, you can't be right. You understand what I'm saying? You can have your sins forgiven, but you have to forgive to be right with God. So sometimes we try to make faith do it all, and we don't check out our hearts. My testimony, when I hit the floor with a major stroke, when I couldn't stand, hardly speak, my faith, face distorted, my, my legs don't work anymore, my arm can't work. I have been strong my whole life. When God healed me from cancer, He just gave me strength people usually don't think i'm as old as i am because i don't act old it's not i'm not talking about how i look don't don't go there can you say man when i went to work for super brand products they didn't have beard muffs to begin with we finally persuaded them so we could keep our beards but or grow it back but when i went to work for them was bivocational i had to shave the beard and I almost didn't take the job because the lady said, you're going to have to shave that beard. And I said, well, this is, we've been old friends for a long time. Just like, just like David. How long have you had your beard? You had the big beard. You had the duck dynasty beard. Yeah. It's trimmed a little better right now. Look a little more like Moses. And his willy beard, yeah. But I needed that, that job, and, and, I, and I went home, and I shaved it off. When I come back in, the same lady that told me I had to shave it, she says, you got dimples. <laughs> and I said, yeah, they were under that beard. Because it came, you know, more over my cheeks. Now I shave it so you can see them. <laughs> Hallelujah. I need all the help I can get. I'm almost 70. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what happened when I shaved my beard? There was an old-er guy under there. Because the beard had covered up where the droops and gravity had started to take over. And Dave, I want to tell you right now. I want to tell you right now. If you shave that beard, there's an, there's an older guy under that beard. I've seen him. Listen to what Jesus said. It's so powerful. When you pray, believe. It's not what we can conventionally do. We pray and hope. He said, when you pray, believe. When you does it say that? Who said it? Is this some kind of doctrine of the of the hyper faith movement? No, this is the clear, concise words of Jesus Christ. 
That's why praise is so vital. The moment you get through praying, you don't keep repeating the petition. You start praising Him. It doesn't mean you don't ever pray again, but when you pray, believe. And if you believe when you pray, the next appropriate thing to do is thank Him for it. Not continue to beg Him for it, but to thank Him for it. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They believed when they prayed. So what did they do next? Sang praises unto God. When did the answer come? While they were pleading in prayer or while they were praising God for the answer? It came while they were praising God for the answer. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and everybody in the prison heard them. Because they were not doing what we generally do. You see, they didn't believe yet. They didn't believe when they prayed that God would deliver Peter from prison. Because they saw the impossibility of it all. And they were praying for his deliverance because they were going to kill him. But they put him between two guards in the cell with him. Put him in stocks and locked the door of the inner prison. And the church set themselves to pray. But their prayer was constantly pleading. They were not into the praising stage of faith. And therefore, they were not expecting the answer. How do you know? Because when the answer knocked on the door, they didn't even go to the door to see who was there because... It would be in the farthest realm of their expectation that it was Peter. And what were they praying for? His deliverance, but he couldn't be delivered. You understand? And a little maid went to the door to see who it was and peeked out. And there was Peter trying to get the answer to prayer was knocking at the door. And they didn't believe enough to see who was at the door, let alone open the door. But when they finally let Peter in, hallelujah, praise God, they begin to shout victory and praise God. But they should have been looking. I like the true story out in the Midwest when they were praying for rain because they didn't have the the wells that we have and the way of watering and irrigating that we have. And if the rains didn't come, their crops failed and that was it. And the crops were about to fail and they were about to go under the farmers and they were Christian and they were going to meet at the church and pray for rain. And they came in their wagons and they came on horseback and they were all going in to pray for rain and one man came in a buggy and when he got out of the buggy you know what's coming it was a true story when he got out of the buggy when he got out of the buggy to pray for rain he has to go home from the church after praying so when he got out of the buggy now don't anybody in here say opening an umbrella inside that's bad luck you better watch yourself. We don't, we don't deal with luck. There's, luck has nothing to do with what we're getting into this morning. This ain't about luck. This is not about the roll of the dice. Hallelujah. This is about the sure promises of God. Hallelujah. The sure word of God. He brought an umbrella. And they looked at him like he was crazy. Because he brought an umbrella. 
Because he expected God to answer the prayer. He had receiving faith. He said, we're going to pray for rain. i got to go back home in the rain. So I got me an umbrella. Nobody else brought an umbrella because they were going to wait and see. He said, if we pray, God is going to answer, so I'm bringing the umbrella. He came expecting. He came expecting, and that's what receiving faith is all about. Hallelujah. If we keep pleading, and we never stop to praise Him for the answer, we don't have faith to receive. Everybody's got enough faith to cry out to God if you believe He is at all. But it's more than that. You've got to believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That He is going to respond. Hallelujah. That He will respond. Hallelujah. That, that it's as good as done if it's His will. If you can determine His will and pray accordingly. If His Word abide in you, that's where you understand His will. That's where your faith to believe Him when you pray comes from. If you abide in me and my Word abides in you, you will ask what you will. Why? Because you'll know His will. And your will and His will will come together. Praise God. His willingness to give and your faith to receive will meet one another. And God will manifest the answer. You will have whatsoever you're saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You understand the balance of this? Listen to it again. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. It's part and parcel of what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the Lord teaching us how to pray because that was the question that he answered lord teach us to pray amen father forgive our trespasses forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors or them that trespass against us in other words our forgiveness is based on forgiving others blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy remember the song from the 60s down from the aboriginal people in Australia. They made a song because they used boomerangs to hunt with. And they didn't want to lose their boomerangs. So if they missed the target, the rabbit, the young kangaroo, whatever they were trying to hit. The bo- it was designed aerodynamically in such a way that it would spin. If it missed its target, it would end up back to the person who threw it. So they came up with a song, My Boomerang Won't Come Back. My boomerang won't come back. I've waved the thing all over the place. I'm a big disgrace to the aborigine race. Because my boomerang won't come back. Let me tell you about faith and forgiveness and obedience to God's word. In God's economy, your boomerang always comes back. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth... See, in most churches, people have sown unbelief, sown fear, sown unforgiveness, sown disobedience all week long, and come to church on Sunday praying for a crop failure. Well, you can pray all you want for a crop failure. 
There's no such thing. Right now, I'm reaping what I have been sowing. So if you don't like what you're reaping, check your seed. Don't question God and don't blame the devil. Fess up. Own it. Check your seed. What have, you, have you sown obedience? Have you sown devotion? Have you sown forgiveness? Have you sown mercy? Because that boomerang comes back. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall what? Receive mercy. But judge not that you be not judged for... Doesn't mean not to judge doctrine or judge right from wrong. But when it comes to the person and what should happen to them, that's out of your jurisdiction. It's out of my jurisdiction. That's in God's department. You need to get out of the judgment seat and go to the witness stand. You're called to be a witness for Christ. And everybody that sat back in his seat, the same judgment you meet without. That's why it's so hard on you sometimes. Because you're so hard on everybody. Amen? You're reaping. I'm reaping. You sow the wind. You reap the whirlwind. You don't just reap what you sow, but you reap it multiplied. If I sow mercy, I get a whole lot of mercy from God. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you right now. I am not perfect enough. That I don't need His mercy. That I don't need His grace. I can't afford to not have a prayer answered. I don't care what anybody says about me or does to me. I, I forgive them. And the Bible said don't forgive them because they deserve it. Don't forgive them because they're worthy of forgiveness. Forgive them. If God forgave you for Jesus' sake. Not for any other reason. The only reason you can be forgiven is for Jesus' sake. Without His blood, there's no forgiveness. You can't merit it. You can't earn it. You can never be good enough to deserve it. But if God forgave you for Jesus' sake, and He did, we ought to forgive one another. You know, you can't be in a relationship long. Remember, remember the movie Love Story? It came out in the 60s. Love story. Oh, my goodness. I can see the mullet now on the guys, and I can see the hairdos. Not smoke mullet. I know what you're thinking. Hey, <laughs> it's getting time, isn't it? He said, boy, I can almost smell that mullet. No, it's not that kind. It's the, it's the hairdo. It's the hairdo. And it was a syrupy date movie. And at the end of it, there was a slogan that stuck around for a decade after the movie was gone. Love means never having to say you're sorry. In other words, if you love somebody, you'll never fail them. You'll never hurt them, and you'll never let them down. Wrong. Not only are you going to have to say you're sorry, you're going to have to forgive to stay in a relationship. If you don't forgive one another for the faults... That's why the Bible said confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I sow it. So I expect it. So before we put all the emphasis on receiving faith, 
let's also talk about the cleansing of the heart. When you pray, believe. But when you stand praying, believing, if you got ought against anybody, for any reason, forgive. And when you're determined to forgive, God will give you the grace and strength to forgive. It's not natural. It actually takes the supernatural. Somebody raped and killed someone's daughter and they're doing life in prison. And those parents as Christians go to the prison, have prayed for the person, and forgiven them. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have a problem with that. Because my natural self wants to just see, in fact... I could save the state a lot of money if they just opened the cell and let me in there. Taxpayers. Save the taxpayers. Let me in there. Come on, that's my flesh. Don't look at me so pious. That's all our flesh. There's a guy at work. They, he lived next to an orange grove. They kept, he, was, he was one of those guys that ride with the deputy sheriffs. You know, he's just one of those auxiliary fellas. He is like a pack of gun and... You know, get bad guys. So he went out with them on the runs on the weekend. And somebody, he had a bunch of guns in his house. Somebody broke in his house and took all of his guns. And they got the guy. And they called him, since he was friends with the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, and said, we got the guy that broke in your house and took those guns. He said, you know something? And he said, and they, he's going to jail. He said, where do you have him? <laughs> he said, well, right now we got him and told where they put him in the temporary jail before they take him to the jail to await trial. And he said, if you'll unlock that door <laughs> and let me in there with him for 15 minutes. He said, I'll break him from sucking eggs. <laughs> Old dog that's always sucking eggs. That's our flesh. Come on, we want our pound of flesh. And, and listen, the disciples that became such wonderful apostles had to learn the lesson because they had weak flesh too. They went preaching with Jesus and they want everybody to be saved. And they've got this big old compassionate heart until everybody rejected everything they said and he said. And they went through the town and nobody got saved. And everybody rejected the message and they got angry and they got mad. And what did they say? Lord, you got all power. Call fire down out of heaven. They don't deserve salvation. They don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve grace. Call fire down out of heaven and destroy them all. You know where they got that from? Before the new covenant. Back when a prophet went into a cave, Elijah. He went into a cave because he stood on top of Carmel. And he saw the presence and power of God come down. But then Jezebel said, he, and she was in charge, and she was in control of the military, and said, well, we'll hunt you down and kill you. And he come out of the cave, and he, he kind of liked living in caves, but he's living in victory in caves after God got him out of that place. But the king sent 50 soldiers to get one prophet. And they approached where he was living. And this time he wasn't timid. He walked out. And by the way, God defends his own. 
But we don't call, we don't call in the new covenant fire down out of heaven. That's where they got that from. He did it. And it happened. Fire didn't just consume the golden calf. It consumed them that came to hurt him. Fifty of them come. And said, oh man of God, come out. The king commands you. to Come with us. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall on you and your fifty. And suddenly the fire of God fell out of heaven and consumed them. So they decided, we're under the, see, but they're under the grace of the new covenant. And you can't call fire down when you have been forgiven because of grace. You can't cite that incident because grace to be saved was not granted then. It was a different grace. And there was no born again experience. And because God forgave you, he says you can't hold that against anybody. That's why down in the floor, my you'd think the normal prayer of a man having a stroke and in that condition would be, Father, in Jesus' name, help me, help me. I knew I needed help, and I knew God was there to help me. I didn't have to call him on the scene because he's a very present help in the time of trouble. And that's why that man walked through that fire, got out that window. Can you say, man? What did, what did the Holy Spirit prompt me to pray so I could receive a miracle from God? You know what came to my mind immediately? While I was laying there, before my wife knew I was in the floor, before my son came over from a garage apartment to see about me, it's just me and God in the floor, paralyzed, struggling to breathe, can't hardly talk, face sagged on this side, this arm completely dead and useless, my legs useless, can't sit up, can't get up. So, kind of like a turtle on his back. There was a family member that had pushed every button I had. And I said to the Lord, Jesus, I forgive this person. And I thought I'd done it. But every time I thought of that person, I felt it rising. And I just assumed, well, God knows that I want to forgive. So it's no big deal. When you're in the floor, now you can sit here and do anything you want to, but you get, get between, you know, you knock, knock, knock it on heaven's door, you, you, and you need a miracle, and nothing short of a miracle will do. Hallelujah. I tell you, Blue Cross and Blue Shield is no substitute for the shield of faith. Can you say, man? Holy Spirit brought that person to my mind and said, I want you to call them by name and say, I forgive them and name them. And when I did it, when I did it, the moment I did it, I didn't have to plead. I didn't have to bind no devil. I didn't have to cry out anymore. The peace of God swept over me, and the Lord just kind of, it's, it's better felt than felt. It's hard for me to explain, but I can tell you what's going to happen. If you've got a clean heart when that time comes, you make sure it's cleansed. The Holy Spirit ain't going to be grieved, and He's not going to be quenched. Can you say amen? And He's going to, oh, come on. 
there's more quenching of the Spirit because of disobedience, rebellion, and unforgiveness than there is in not speaking in tongues when God prompts you. We've been taught wrong about that. Can you say, man, there's a whole lot more that will grieve Him and quench Him. But when we get right with God and we get right with one another, there's nothing to hold Him back. Praise God. Hallelujah. When there's nothing to hold Him back, He's going to manifest the answer. He's going to come in the midst of us. Hallelujah. Revive us and restore us. When I forgave, God's peace washed over me. When they pick you up and they put you on a gurney and they put you in the back of the ambulance and, and they're calling the hospital say we've got a 60-whatever-year-old man with all the symptoms of a stroke. He's paralyzed on so much of his body. He's slurring his speech. Uh, we're bringing him into the emergency room and you're listening to him out of talk. And you don't know. Listen, there's nobody back there. Pamela's going to follow in the car. It's just me and them and God. And if God wanted me home, there wasn't nothing they could do. But if God didn't want me home, there wasn't nothing the devil could do and there wasn't nothing the stroke could do to stop me. My times, David said, are in thy hands. If you abide in me and my word about... See, faith to believe God was already there. But what did it go on to say? Make sure in your heart. That's why David said... Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Salvation in the Old Testament when God answered prayer to deliver. Salvation in the New Testament. We're born again because of what Jesus did at the cross. But God still comes to deliver. Can you say man? And he came to deliver me. Praise God. But I had to go deeper than your average Christian does when we start dealing with our own heart. Isn't it amazing how we can see all the flaws in others? We've always got counsel for other people, advice for other people. Tell them what they need to do. The Bible said you're di- you don't even qualify to tell anybody anything till you get the beam out of your own eye. That you might see more clearly to get the mode. You know what a mode is? A speck of dust. He said you can be so blind to yourself, but you can see so clearly the faults in others that instead of getting that kind of insight to your own need and condition, because there's not a lot of repentance, and we got all we need. We got our foot in the door of heaven. We think we got enough faith to get us by. And we don't deal with the deep issues of our heart. That was an issue I tried to deal with. But you know what it takes? What it took in that family that went to that jail, prayed for that man and forgave him. And I'm asking myself, how could they do that? When they determined to obey God, God gave them something supernatural. That requires the supernatural. But did you know something? God's got the supernatural available to you and available to me. And that's why Paul said, I can I can. I can do all things. Even those kind of things. Come on. We're not talking about walking water, turning water to wine. We're talking about enduring the trials, the tests, and obeying in the midst of it. What God said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And when you determine to do His will, He's going to grant you the grace and strength needed. 
Heaven's resources are going to be yours. And I found out that one of the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet, Corey Ten Boom. You think you've been through the mill at work or through family issues? Corey Ten Boom was arrested with her sister, sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp in World War II. And that is because of the ill treatment in that prison camp. Her sister died. And when she was dying, she could see Corey's face full of anger and angst. And that's normal. Somebody killing your loved one. Didn't just kill her by hanging her, but but through the malnutrition and the disease and, and all of the things, her sister is dying. And her sister as a Christian looks back in her face and says to her as a Christian, Corey, don't hate. Don't hate. That's why the apostles, with all of their gifts and anointings, said, if, in, if you've forgiven someone, we don't even know the situation. But we're going to go ahead and forgive also. Lest what? Lest Satan should gain an advantage over us because we're not ignorant of his devices. And while I was laying there making sure my heart was thoroughly cleansed from that thing, hallelujah, amen, I thought, devil, God is going to use this for good. Good is already coming out of this. Before he raised me up, before he gave me any kind of testimony of healing, there was a healing on the inside of Curry. And when I got out of that hospital right now, there is nothing between me and that person. I don't see red anymore when I see that person. It is done. It's a done work. And when I pray right now, nothing is in the way of that prayer. So when I stand praying, I can believe. Like Jesus said, hallelujah. If my word abides in you and you abide in me, you will ask what you will and it shall be given unto you. I've spoken these things unto you that my joy might be in you so that your joy might be full. And what did he say? Father, I'm so glad that you always hear me when I pray. The joy of answered prayer is evident here today. You've heard testimonies to people filled with joy because a prayer got answered. Restore unto me the joy of your deliverance. The joy of your answered prayers. Hallelujah. I get a clean heart, get my prayers answered, then sinners will be converted. They'll know that our God is the true and living God. Hallelujah. And sinners shall be converted unto thee, and transgressors shall learn thy ways. There were people walking in unforgiveness that heard my testimony. And they began to pray to deal with it. And what the devil meant for evil, God said, I can take that and I can turn it around and I can bring good out of it. So I'm not here just preaching healing today for the body. I'm preaching healing for the spirit and the soul. Can you say amen? And victory, victory in Jesus Christ today. Glory to God. I said we were going to talk about three things. So that you can have receiving faith. Are you intrigued? Are you interested? Do you want to know? Don't miss a service if you can help it. Because if I get into it today, I can hear Sean's stomach sound like a Rottweiler growling. No, I can't really hear it. But it probably is growling. It isn't? Okay, it isn't growling yet? 
Okay, do you have a big breakfast? No breakfast? Okay, we won't even go any further than that. If you keep hearing the Word of God as it's written, faith is going to come. And everybody thinks they, thinks they need faith as big as a mountain, the size of a mountain to move a mountain or to deal with a mountain. Jesus went on to say, if you had faith, so it's got to be the quality of it, not the quantity of it. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, anybody got a mustard seed bracelet or necklace that's in a concave lens to magnify it? Because if you don't magnify it, you can't hardly see it with the naked eye. And yet he says that mountain right there can be removed with that faith. So it's faith in God. And it's receiving faith. Because you ain't going to tell no. You just tell God about the mountain. You'll never speak to the mountain. You spoke to a mountain. Where in the world did you? You spoke to a mountain. You're not a nationwide evangelist lady. And yet God honored what you said. Because you said what He willed and what He purposed. My word abide in you. And you abide in me. You'll ask what you will and it will be granted you. And when you pray, believe that you receive. And you shall have whatever you're saying and believing and desiring for. If you say to this mountain, who said that? Is that one of these people that are off the rails that are into extremism? No, that's Christ saying. Marvel not that I told that sycamore tree to die and be uprooted. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say the same thing and it would obey you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ministers I meet with, one of them has been building receiving faith. The other two kind of... Well, anyway, one of them been resilient, and, and they're, they're moving in that direction. But he said, if I ever get sick, if I ever get sick, if I ever get sick and need prayer, I want you to pray in authority. Can you say, man, everybody knows how to pray and hope. But when you pray in authority, it's different. The Holy Ghost will rise up. Faith will rise up. It was so good on the way to the hospital to have him with me. To be wrapped up in his love. To be so confident in his care that whether he took me home or whether he raised me up, it would be okay. David, it would have been okay. When that peace comes on you, it's a peace that passes all understanding. So you've heard this story a hundred times. I'm going to tell it till I die because it's so important. Corey Ten Boom was sweet. She's theological sound. She has proven her faith by coming through the most horrendous thing you could imagine. The Nazi concentration camp. The loss of her sister, her grandpa. She survives the ordeal. She's a guest speaker all over and in demand because she's weathered the storm and has love in her heart. And she's walking in forgiveness as far as she knows how to forgive. But it requires the supernatural. It requires the supernatural. And so 
people are coming after she spoke somewhere in Europe. And a man is standing in line after World War II and Germany is conquered, the Nazi regime is destroyed, and she recognized a man at the end of the line coming closer and closer as one of the guards of Ravensbrück. And she said, when I saw him, all of the hurt and the pain came back. See, we're human. We're human. We're just human. But you can't justify disobeying God by saying, well, I'm just human. You're only human. I got mad at work and kicked. I don't know if there's any law against it, even at work. But these big bins that you put plastic in, I got mad. I didn't know what to do with my mad, but I knew I couldn't do anything to anybody. Amen. So there was a big plastic container there that we put stuff in and I just up and and I I'm not going to show you how because I can't kick that high anymore but Bruce Lee would have been proud of me I can I can tell you that amen how I just kicked that bad boy over and all those empty plastic bottles that we were fabricating came out of it which they were to be thrown away anyway and I had to go pick it back up and put all the bottles back in it. And then I'm sheepishly looking around to see if anybody's seen me kick it. And sure enough, somebody's looking there and their eyes are wide because Rev don't do that. Rev is always in control. Rev just forgives and he never gets, you know. Bible didn't say don't ever get mad. It said don't let the sun go down on, on anything like that. On you. Anyway, and he came over and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I just, I just, I, it's just, I don't know what happened, but it happened, and I'm sorry. He said, well, Brev, you're only human. Well, I acknowledge that. I said, yes, that's true, but I'm Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I let I, I let myself down. I, I don't want to let him down. I don't want to let people down, but... I was thankful that people were recognizing my humanity. Let me tell you something. God recognizes it too. And if you have a heart to obey, he'll help you with the weakness of your flesh. And Corey Tin Boom had a heart to obey. But the forgiveness had not been fully achieved because the devil wanted to bring it all back and produce the unforgiveness and the hate. Bring it to the surface. And she said, the closer that man got, the more I realized I must forgive him. But I just see the hurt and the pain that was caused. It's all coming back. But he got closer and closer and said, as I was signing books for people, shaking their hand, I was praying under my breath. And this is what she prayed. God I don't love this man. And yet you told me to love my enemies. She got real honest. I don't love this man. But you told me I must love this man. Love this man through me. Supernatural. Can you say man? Say it with me. Supernatural. Lord. I thought I had forgiven everyone. But I haven't forgiven this man. You know what most people say to justify not going deep enough to deal with it? 
I can forgive. Bless God, but I'll never forget. Well, you need the supernatural. Because that's not how God deals with your sin. As it is written, saith the Lord, I will cast your sins away from you. Don't associate you with it anymore. We've sinned against him, but he said, I won't associate you with that sin against me anymore. I'll cast it away as far as the east is from the west, and your sin will I remember no more. So if you say you're forgiving, but you're not forgetting, you're not forgiving. Because when you forgive supernaturally, you'll forget about it. And you'll be cleansed from it. And you can go on and you can stand and pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. And know there's nothing between you and God and getting the answer. And you can believe when you pray. Praise God. Hallelujah. And she said, Lord, help me to forgive this man. I don't forgive this man. Forgive this man through me. Love him through me and forgive him through me. When he stood in front of her, he said, Corey, do you recognize me? She said, yes, I do. He said, I don't know if you can ever forgive me. But he said, but I have given my heart to Christ and asked God to forgive me. And I just wanted to tell you, I'm sorry. And she said, my heart melted. And she said, I took him by the hand. I hugged his neck and said, I forgive you, brother. I love you. I love you. I forgive you. You know what happened? Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, supernaturally gave her what she needed to do, what she emotionally, mentally could not do. And I'm going to tell you about you here today. If you want to be free from that junk, if you want to get out from under those bad feelings, if you want to qualify for answered prayer to the degree that you can believe when you're praying, hallelujah, make sure you get all that junk out of your heart. Can you say, man, don't grieve the Holy Spirit and do not quench Him by refusing to deal with those things. And when He's free to move, He will supernaturally empower you to love the unlovable. Hallelujah. And to forgive like God forgave you. To forgive and forget. And it feels so good not to see the hurt when I see that person. How many human beings do we have here? Almost 100%. Jury's out on a few of you, but we'll give you grace today. A few aliens in the audience. God understands your humanity. He wants the willingness of your heart. He'll take care of the rest. He will give you grace sufficient. He will give you strength. That all the strength that's necessary. How many want to be able to begin to believe when you pray? You want that. You want to be able to pray in authority. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many are learning something? How many want us to continue? We could be talking about the condition of the world right now. But that's not going to address the immediate needs of your life. God's concerned about what you and Him right now. Amen. He's got the rest. He's got, believe it or not, in all the chaos, God's got it under control. Something's going to occur in this election. I think it's going to shock us all how it's all going to turn out. God's going to take what's meant for evil. He's going to bring good because too many people are praying and believing. And they're not just praying and believing for a candidate because there ain't none. 
Like Billy Graham's son said, go into the voting booth, pray, and hold your nose and pull the lever. Amen. Either way you go, it's going to stink pretty bad. Right now, I told my wife, I think she put it on Facebook. Right now, you know what the monkeys will do when they get irritated with people? They th- they'll pick up feces and throw it at them. They used to do that at Larry Park Zoo. Super brand of, yeah, they just get tired of being harassed and harangued. And they'll just say, oh, here, you won't throw me a peanut? I got something for you right here. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, and they'd throw it at you, and you better get out of the way. Super brand amusement park. Get tickets from buying gasoline. How many remember? Super test. Super brand. Super test. Go ride the merry-go-round. They had two live lions down there. You could go look at in a cage. But there was a big sign that said, if lion turns its back to you, there's a lady lion, if the lion turns it back to you, You better get out of the way. Why? Because the lion didn't like being there and didn't like being harassed and wanted to rest. And people come gawking and waving and throwing stuff, peanuts and whatever. And the lion would just turn her back around and spray you. Just spray you. Just spray you. You know what's going on right now in politics? They're, They're spraying each other. They're throwing at each other. And it's the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life. But I'm going to tell you something. There's more people praying about this election. Amen. Than there's ever been in, a, in, in recent years pray about an election. You know why? Because so much is at stake here in America. But thank God God is listening to the prayers of his people. And I have a spirit of expectation. And I would even predict something. But if I can't prophesy it, I'm not going to predict it. Because if I prophesy it, God will honor it and bring it to pass. Because it's his will and word. But I'm going to tell you this by the spirit. Something extraordinary is about to take place here in America. Something is going to occur that we have not expected. We think we know how it's supposed to play out. We do not. But God's got a plan. And all of this mess is going to be submitted to His eternal will and purpose. And I believe He wants to visit America with a Holy Ghost revival. Can you say man? I believe we're the next candidate for a visitation. He's visiting South America. He's visiting South Korea. He's visiting China with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've, oh, we got churches all over the place and people carrying Bibles around and sitting in Sunday school. We're the next candidate for a visitation of God, a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. And it's beginning by working miracles in the lives of God's people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. David in the Old Testament said, The day that I pray, there's no wait and see in receiving faith. The day that I pray, mine enemies turn back. This one thing I know, it's settled. There's no turning. God is for me. How did he know after all the mess up he went through? Because he said, 
Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And restore unto me the joy of your deliverance. Hallelujah. So when I pray now, (laughs) you better look out. When I pray now, God is listening. In fact, He's bending down and listening to my prayer. And the day I pray... My enemies turned back. It might have been a six-month campaign before they won that total battle. But that battle was won in prayer before it was won out there on the battlefield. And it was won the day he prayed because he received it when he prayed it. Glory be to God. God is for us. And that's what Paul summed it up with, isn't it? If God be for us. If God be for us. And I'm going to tell you, you walk in forgiveness, God is for you. Hallelujah. You walk in love, God is for you. You walk in faith, God is for you. You walk in the Spirit, God is for you. And if God be for you. Hallelujah. That's the end of it all. Forget the rest of it. If God be for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. 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 Let's give him some praise today. How many know he's the true and the living God? And he's for us today. He's for us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise in this room. Hallelujah.